Well, now to the story of the Kiwi YouTuber taking on crypto scams from his Christchurch home. It was an email from a friend offering an investment opportunity that he, quote, couldn't turn down, that transformed Danny DeHeck into a self-titled crypto Ponzi scheme buster. Since then, Danny DeHeck has produced more than 130 videos taking on cryptocurrency investments that he describes as dangerous and deceptive schemes. His efforts have drawn the attention of those running some of the schemes, and his efforts led to a profile in the New York Times. Danny DeHeck says the schemes he targets are typical multi-level marketing, but because they use blockchain technology, it's much harder to track down who is in charge, leaving those at the bottom, some of whom have invested tens of thousands of dollars, with nothing. I asked Danny DeHeck what happened to get him started on this crusade. Well, funny enough, we were looking for a place to rent, and a friend of mine saw that we were in the newspaper as in desperation, and they sent me a message offering me to go to a meeting with an opportunity of a lifetime where I could actually afford to get my own house. And what was that opportunity? Well, he wouldn't tell me. He wanted to drag me along to this meeting. And I said, I'm not going, Ken, with, unless you tell me the name of the, the company. And then he said, the name is Hyperverse. And I said, mate, that's a scam. And he goes, no, 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 it's not. It's, it's not. You don't understand it. You don't need anything about the blockchain. I go, whatever, mate. So he's been a bit of my crusade, to be honest. Did you go to the meeting? No, no. Well, I've been to meetings with this guy before, other meetings, which I always get somehow get hooked into them because I owned a business networking company. I'm around a lot of people. And normally I go there just to meet people and connect, but not this time. So just explain the business networking, because does this um, is this also part of the story that you were kind of used to getting pitches, some of which would be valid and some of which would be, hang on a minute? Yes, and we literally were, could we help? I've closed the business down three weeks ago and I did it for nearly, not, well, I did it for nine years. And people used to come along saying, look, I want to work for myself, I want a passive income, and this is what I'm thinking of doing. And I'd say, well, tell me a bit more about it. And then it would be multi-level marketing. And I said, it's never going to be a business. And, and um, so that's sort of how I'm always screening these ideas that people come up with. So you've got your eyes open for anything that reflects multi-level marketing and sometimes the unkind of words that, it, that that's used about that. So having, yeah, got, dog. Yeah, so having got the name from your friend, what did you then do to research? Well, I just went to Google. Um, search for is Hyperverse a scam and then up come a warning from is it the F I forgot what it's called but the Financial Institute um, and it just said stay away from it and they listed the website addresses of the website that my friend was telling me about and they were saying it's a you know, warning just a warning no real explanation about what it was but then there's another website out there called behindmlm.com and they had articles and all the history going way back with this company that I could have a look at. What is the history? Because has the name changed over time? Oh, well, a friend of mine who lives in Wellington, um, he's got a YouTube channel, and he did 10 videos of the history of this company, and we're right back to the founders, the directors, you know, what they're, what they're trying to achieve. And it literally, it goes... Um, Colin Star Group, um, Hypertech Group, and then it turns into Hyper Capital, Hyper Fund, Hyperverse, and now it's rebranded, rinse and repeat, Hyper Nation. And they just get stronger 
every time they rebrand. But it's the same people following. Uh, all the people at the top are getting trained to be better and better each time. Uh, and it's just now I feel they're quite lethal. But the awareness that people like myself and others have done is making people more aware that this is the same scam it was way back at the beginning. What is it that you have learned about how it operates? How does the hyper fund scheme work? Basically, the timing of it is brilliant because everyone's used to using Zoom. So people are in these Zoom meetings and they basically come up with a good story about a passive income opportunity. So they've got something easy to sell. And these guys will... Um, it's like they've rehearsed this... Uh, it's just a, a great story about how they're going to get... So let me say you've got $1,000 and you want to give it to this opportunity. What they claim is that you'll get 600... In 600 days, you'll get three times your investment back. And and um, and then if you refer somebody into it and say they pay pay into the system and pay a thousand, then you'll get twenty percent of that money straight away into your bank account that you can take out. And then if that person that referred them refers somebody else, then the initial person will get one hundred and fifty dollars. The person that referred will get two hundred, and it keeps going down twenty levels like that. So if you invested a thousand dollars, fifty two percent of that money is given out in rewards before it even goes into the theoretical company that was going to form a, a planet or an ecosystem on the metaverse. Sounds like a kid's game. <laughs> so that's classic. What you're describing would be what? A classic multi-level marketing exercise. Yeah, that's right. And not only that, if, let's say, you, over, you I convinced you to put a thousand and I get two hundred dollars. If I decide that I love the company so much and leave your two hundred dollars in my account, then in six hundred days that two hundred dollars will become six hundred. So it becomes unsustainable really quick. So right now there's people out there well, I spoke to one guy who recruited two hundred people, made two hundred thousand dollars. His team is now six thousand uh, people and now he hates the system and he hates the fact that he's introduced all his friends into it but it's, he can't stop it in a way but he's still getting all these rewards so he took out 200000 and now he can't get any money out because there's no money left in the Ponzi scheme but he's still involved in it somehow So is he based in New Zealand or is he based overseas? Um, yeah, I forgot what country it's in Europe somewhere um, but I, I get a lot of people coming to me telling me their stories and it's originally it, it's such a long story but the main thing that I've learned from it is originally I thought people were getting involved in it because they were greedy. But then I interviewed two people who had put in their life savings and their life savings were, one was $25,000 and the other one was $18,000 US dollars. And they took out all their pension fund and put it all into this opportunity thinking they were going to get rich. And I thought, well, that's not greed. That's actually desperation. And people... You know, they've been through a hard time lately and they've got bad health. One was on a fitness benefit. But they're willing, for all the money they have, they're willing to chip that into something and hopefully get enough money to retire a little bit better than they currently were. So that got my back up a lot because I I used to be part of a, a religious cult. And there's a lot of people in that have actually taken their own lives. And people, I've been speaking to other people and people are doing the same 
and that's why I sort of want to speak out more because the people who take their own lives, we don't really know why they do it. But losing all your money and having a last-ditched effort of trying to get some more money and, and failing, it's just too much for some people to bear. Is that personal experience, and I, I think it was the religious upbringing that you had as a child and into young adulthood, is that a key driver of your motivation, do you think? Do, do, do you see how people can come to believe things we're susceptible to believing things that people we trust tell us. Is that a big yeah. part of the story, Danny? Uh, it is a massive part. I was, got kicked out of the Jehovah's Witness faith when I was, not faith, I don't know what to call it these days, but I was 23. And But I used to listen to the people on the stage. Like everything coming out of their words, we used to follow it to the T. Um, they'd give us a lot of advice. You'd have ministerial servants, elders, and people giving speeches on the stage. Um, but then when I got kicked out of it, I started to question the motive or, you know, what was really behind it. Like I was part of a community, a brotherhood, and everyone was lovely. But when I got kicked out of it, everyone didn't talk to me. Anything to do with them. Even my own mother doesn't speak to me to this day. And she's, uh, I think, 75 years of age now. Same with the Ponzi schemes. I see these guys just telling people whatever they want to get what they want. And in the meantime, you're part of a community and everyone's happy. It's all rigged. And then as soon as you question the fact that this is a Ponzi scheme, they get a quick opportunity, they just cut you out of these Zoom meetings. I've seen it. And they, you know, they just block you. <laughs> and these people, have, and they literally say in their terms and conditions, if we don't like you, we'll kick you out. So it's a, a real parallel. And that's what really gets my back up. Ponzi schemes have been around for a while. They've often been sold even in this country as part of uh, what look on the face of it to be uh, legitimate investment schemes, but with that pattern of very high return. But is what's happening at the moment a surge in Ponzi schemes around crypto and this whole kind of hype that there has been around the blockchain, as you mentioned, and around cryptocurrencies? Yeah, I think it would be unfair in a way to say crypto is the culprit, but I'm not saying you're saying that. But a lot of people think that I'm against crypto and the blockchain because I love technology. It's saved my life. Um, but unfortunately, crypto has been the tool that people are using to get people's money. So these are still Ponzi schemes. You know, it's, you know you're robbing Peter to pay Paul until Peter's no more. <laughs> so, you know, like, but it's just... You know, I just have a simple analogy I tell people. They go, hey, Danny, is this a scam? And I go, does it involve crypto? Does it have multi-level marketing? Well, that equals scam. I don't need to know anything else. I'm like, oh, but but they said they said this, and, and this is going to happen, and I spoke to a friend, and he got this, and money people get money out of it, so that proves it's real. And I go, that's a Ponzi scheme. That's what they do. That's how they work. You know, don't support them. Um, one thing I found interesting, though, people think they're cleverer than the Ponzi scheme. And I, I was in a, an office space and there was five guys about to invest, six guys about to invest $200 each because they needed $1,200. And if they invested their money in this, it was Cash FX is the name of this one, that within two years it would be worth $2 million. But they said, we're going to get our money out in two and a half months and we're going to two and a half times our money. And we're just chucking $200 at it just to see you know, what happens. Uh, so that lasted three months, and that Ponzi scheme fell over. Um, but in the meantime, 
people hear these stories and they think it's real. And they're literally, you know, I've heard of people putting five grand, ten grand into these same schemes because somebody has told them a good story. So they think, I'll quietly do this at home. No one's watching. I'll I'll put my money in and I'll see what happens. And they lose this money. We never hear from them again because they don't want to talk about it. Too embarrassed or ashamed that they fell for it. Is there a a particular cohort of person getting caught in these scams? Uh, Have you learned that from the people who have reached out to you? Are they a particular age? You mentioned um, pensioners earlier, I think. Is there anything in common? Uh, Or or you've just mentioned some of the young guns who think they can beat the system. The young guns are not in this at all. It's everyone over the age of 50. And um, it's in America, it's the um, African community. And if they have religious, and this is what really sticks out to me, if they're involved in some form of religion, they are, um, they tell people you've got to have faith, you've got to have hope, the same terminology that the religions use. And these people, I've seen them in these meetings, and you look at them and you think, oh, my goodness, these people don't look like they've got enough money to do anything. Um, and you've got somebody holding up their iPhone or their phone, trying to tell them when to click next so they can deposit money into this um, exchange so they can pay for a membership fee to get into a Ponzi scheme. They don't even know how to work crypto. And you think, what are they doing this for? And, uh, and you think, is it out of greed? It's out of trust. They trust the person that's talking to them in front of them because they made their own informed decision by looking at this person on the screen. They look like a nice, honest person. They look ha- happy. They've got wealth. Um, why wouldn't I want to be like them? I, you know, the psychology behind it is mind-blowing, to be honest. Still trying to figure it out. You're a long way from America, which also, of course, has those big church congregations. I know we have some of them here, but but tends to have you know thousands of people can pack in to uh, hear what is commonly called the prosperity gospel. Also, um, yeah. and you know that, that that it's a reward for for being a good person or a reward for your faith to to be wealthy. So it, it's a sort of a fertile ground. But how? Have you sort of, from New Zealand, how have you learned of all these stories or, or seen seen what people are doing in meetings? Are people are people literally sending you material? Uh, it's not just in America, it's worldwide. This particular one I've been busting, Hyper Fund, it started out with, they built up a community from 100 people going to these Zoom meetings to over nearly 2,000 people were gathering together. And I've been watch- I watched 40 videos of them building this community and they're all around the world. Then they've separated the community to different countries, South Africa. So, And then when I heard that there was actually a physical meeting here in New Zealand and they were going to you know, a meet-up event where somebody was going to do a talk about this, I thought, oh, my goodness, it's, it's every, every country of the world. It's just rampant. I, I call it a scandemic. That's what's happening at the moment. All the people at the top of these Ponzi schemes, um, they communicate with me directly, and I can't... I can't, you know, like I said to them, would they be interested in talking to the reporter from the New York Times and they won't answer me. And then I get screenshots of the conversation with other people are talking to them and they're talking about me. And I think, well, if they're so legitimate, these companies, or they aren't scamming people because they claim not to, then why aren't they willing to talk to these big reporters and tell their stories or promote their, their schemes, you know what I mean? Have you become somewhat obsessed with this, do you think? Um, yeah. <laughs> 50 hours a week standing in front of my computer looking at a wall talking to a camera trying to get my message out yeah I suppose so um, it, it wasn't my crusade to be a YouTuber 
I originally, because COVID sort of killed my business networking company, I decided that I'll start doing online workshops and people could pay for my advice by signing up for a course on how to do LinkedIn or whatever it was. But what I found is no one wanted to do these courses. I had 100 people buy my LinkedIn course and I think 6 or 7% of people actually finished it. And, and then I played around with the price and it just didn't work. And I thought people don't want to sit in front of a computer and learn stuff. They want everything now. And I, I think that's why these Ponzi schemes take off so well. So my original goal was just to get a 1,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel so that I could teach people how to build a YouTube channel and monetize. And then I thought, oh, that'll make a good course. But then when this guy, Kent Berriman, came along and said, there's a Ponzi scheme, I investigated it. So I'll do a video about this put it online, and I think within a few days I got three or 4,000 people viewing it. I thought, whoa, there's a hot topic. And then I thought I'd do another one. <laughs> and now I think I'm up to nearly uh, just over 3,000 subscribers, and some of my videos have had 30,000 people view it. Well, one of them said 30,000 people view it now. So, what do you again, think, what do you think people... that's about? Do you think people are curious about the schemes and tempted by them and are looking are actually testing the water before jumping in. Why, why do you think 30,000 people have watched one of your videos? Well, it's in disbelief. Uh, you know, the amount of people I get who come along who thought they said, I thought it was legitimate. And I go, you thought you could get three times your investment in 600 days and you listen to a guy tell you that who gave you a disclaimer telling you it's not an investment opportunity and then you, you transferred your crypto into their wallet address and they, you know, I said, this is Monopoly and you've been playing Monopoly and you didn't think this was not real. On many occasions, will they be someone who has invested already? Oh, definitely, yes. Yes. Uh, no one does due diligence and they tell people to stay off. This is the religious thing again. We weren't allowed to play sports. I weren't allowed to go do any religious training at school. I wasn't um, allowed to have friends that weren't in the Jehovah's Witness organisation. Now, when you're on these Zoom meetings, 90% of the people in the Zoom meetings know the deal. They're, they're there promoting it. The 10% of the people are fresh, and everyone's rallying around them, encouraging them to get involved. And then they say, stay off YouTube. You know, don't search these videos and don't do research. You know, and, and then in the other breath, they say, do you due diligence, which is the one I hate the most. So here they're telling people not to listen to this propaganda, and there's always people out there. They talk about me on these videos. And they tell people not to listen to people like myself because they said they just they've, they've got issues. I probably have got issues. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Sometimes I explain this whole, and this is why it's hard doing an interview because I've been so in bed with this whole concept. I know all the people and how it all works, and it doesn't sound real. It just sounds like some sort of arcade game that I'm in the middle of. You mentioned earlier the Financial Conduct Authority, I think was what you were looking for, the organisation in Britain, the regulator, that had a web page warning investors to be wary, I'm quoting here, be wary of dealing with this unauthorised firm. So this was quite early on in, in your investigations that, that you came across that. Do you believe the authorities in various countries are doing enough? I don't think they're technical enough to play this game. I, um but I'll tell you a brief story. I've got a friend in Australia at the moment. We have watched $250,000 being scammed out of people's bank accounts in the last two weeks. Most of the money has been... Just uh, two days ago, there's a couple that put in $22,000. So my, this is Australians and New Zealanders. 
we went to the Pentworth, well, he went to the Pentworth, I'm not, I'm not saying that right, but the police station, reported he got scammed $700, the guy that's working with us. The police just said, oh, look, we can't really do much about it, fill out a form. <laughs> now that it's over 250000 they're more interested and they think they can do something about it. But now they want us to get all the people that we know have been scammed together as one unit and tell their story. Now, I can guarantee that only 10% of people probably want to talk about it. The rest of them want to keep it quiet and don't want their name out there. So the police can't do much about it. So one of my favourite videos was called Hyperverse Lawsuit, and I come up with about 40 questions on if you were standing in front of a judge and they were going to ask you this question, why did you get involved? How are you going to answer it? You know, did you not heed the warnings? You know, you would have to say, no, I didn't. Did you not see the word? Did you not? You know, all these questions that a judge would ask you, what are you going to do about it? And people say, why don't you get a lawyer involved? And I said, lawyer won't even take this on. So how, how are the police going to prosecute these people? If they used an unregulated currency to invest, they've been warned that it's not a financial opportunity and they still invest. The people talking are not financial advisors and that's why we have them. And so what do you expect? the law to come in now and say, oh, let's have a magic wand and prosecute these people because you didn't heed all the warnings. It doesn't make sense. How long, they, no, they don't have the resources. How long do you think you'll keep investigating these schemes and, and putting these up on YouTube? Oh, I actually quite like it. I'm a, I am, like you said earlier on, I'm a bit addictive. I mean, I've, I've got to be careful. Um, I think um, I, co- co- copyright issues are a problem. So I used to download somebody's video, and then I'd do a talk-over speech on, on top of it. And then they started complaining that I was using their content. So YouTube were taking my um, videos off. So now I have to come up with original content. So I've had to remove about 80 of my videos because I could lose my YouTube channel. So you write to YouTube and you say, I'm busting scams here, mate. Have a look at these videos. You can tell, tell what I'm doing. But you, they're worried about getting done for copyright, so they take your videos off. So now I've had to change my flavour on the way I bust these Ponzi schemes. Danny, you said that technology saved your life. You're not anti-technology, right? What, what do you mean by Hell that? No. I left school at the early age of 14 because my birthday is actually in January, so technically I did leave at 14. But then I um, didn't know what to do for work, but I finished up getting a job as a painter and a decorator, did an apprenticeship, and I just thought I'd never... Somebody approached me and said, how about working for yourself? And I said, oh, I could never do that. Eventually, I did start working for myself, learned enough about business. And then I painted this internet cafe. It was the first cafe um, in Christchurch to offer internet services. People used to come in, and I'd ask them what they were doing. I learned enough to make myself dangerous. I could set up web pages, and I could um, host them on and bring them up. So I decided one day I'd sell everything I owned, and hitchhike around New Zealand telling people I was New Zealand's leading internet consultant. And I'd charge them like $300 to set up a web page and $30 a month to keep it going. I did that for years, and I finished up building a a business that um, one year turned over half a million dollars for the turnover, and I took home $275,000 as a paycheck in one year. And from that business, I generated a six-figure income for nine years in a row. And it was quite amazing. So here I am thinking, well, I can't read and write. I've got a, I got tested by the age of 23, and they told me that I had a reading level of a nine-year-old and a writing level the same. So I used voice recognition, and 
I also have to listen to the words on the screen to comprehend what they're saying. So reading a book, never read a book in my life. So using the aids of technology, Apple products, it's on my phone, it's on my iPad, it's on my iMac. I can press a button, talk into it, and get the words on the screen. The disadvantage is that a lot of people reading my messages think I talk in pidgin languages because the full stops and the commas are in the wrong place. But it, just for that, the strength of being able to communicate with people online, I then started teaching people how to use computers. So taught them, put them on the internet and got them uh, you know, up to speed of how the internet works. I used to install the internet on people's computers when they used to have to use diskettes. I didn't know what I was doing, but whenever I um, didn't know how to do something, I'm quite resourceful. I'd pick up the phone and ask somebody, uh, I'm trying to do that, how do I do this? And and I just learnt my trade myself. So I've never been to university, but now I'm finding that the educated are asking me to educate. <laughs> so that's why I call myself a bit of an educator. So I love technology. And in short, it was literally like a jigsaw puzzle. I didn't know the picture, couldn't see a clear picture, but I got all the straight edges, I got all the colour bits, I put them together, and then all of a sudden the overall picture of how the internet works and how it's structured just become very clear. And I don't really have many obstacles when it comes to using technology these days. And I love teaching people how to overcome the obstacles that they think are unovercomable. Is that a word? <laughs> so it gave you your career and it was the means by which you could get past the literacy challenges. And going back to the Ponzi scheme, watching these people in these Zoom meetings who aren't educated, giving away their money, just horrifies me. And I'm and I go, this isn't this complicated. These guys don't have a real business. I think they do. And I go, you know, so I'm trying to reason and use Danny logic. I call it, it's not to hex, it's not rocket science, it's to hex science. But they just don't seem, they seem to be blinded by something. And I don't think it's just greed because most people go, oh, it's greed. You know, I go, no, I think it's desperation. This is their last ditched effort to get rich quick or, you know, that's what I see in it. Danny de Heck.